Not only is your government not looking out for you, it couldn't care less about your health. Lies about COVID-19 origins and early treatments and vaccines were just the tip of the iceberg. By Brian Cates. Call me naive, but up until the COVID-19 fake pandemic hit in early 2020, I had this weird idea that the U.S. federal government and many state health and medical agencies were actually looking out for little people like me. The past three and a half years have been a brutal education on the current state of medical and health agencies and what they're actually being used for. If you thought these federal agencies were looking out for you, then you were forced to face the truth that quite recently, were you not? George Carlin was calling attention to this very issue in his humorous way more than three decades ago, while this particular comedy routine he's doing in the video below is centered on the government's lies about education, the central deceptions the government engages in, applies to a whole host of other things the government has taken upon itself to supposedly take care of for you. And that includes your health. Featured in the article and embedded from YouTube, George Carlin, they don't care about you at briancates.substack.com. Carlin told his audience that not only does the government not care about them or look out for them, it will relentlessly lie to them to hide the truth from them. About that, he was not joking. No, the federal government and health and medical agencies are not looking out for you. See, just as Carlin said, you and I are not in the big club. You have to be in the big club for them to care about you for real. They're going to get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. If they were looking out for you, the federal health and medical agencies would have taken several concrete steps by now. One, telling the truth about the COVID-19 virus origins, various effective COVID-19 early treatments that were suppressed and censored, and the numerous C-19 vaccine-related deaths and injuries. Two, ending the insane childhood vaccine agenda, which has swelled in recent years to over 70 shots. Three, sounding a national warning about seed oils and overprocessed foods. Four, alerting people to EDCs in many bottled water brands. I just listed four simple steps the U.S. government could take if they were really concerned about the health and well-being of the U.S. citizens. Guess what? Not only is the U.S. government not taking any of those four steps, it's actually been making efforts to hide the truth about these four things from all of us. I'm now going to cover each one of these four points at length. One, the massive COVID pandemic psyop lies. More evidence comes out every day that on the C-19 virus origins early treatments and the pandemic measures taken, such as lockdowns and masking, the American public were subjected to a vicious regime 
of deliberate lies, disinformation, censorship, and outright psychological warfare by its own government. In fact, the disclosures of the actual truth have reached the point that it is now a valid question for a true journalist to ask, what didn't the U.S. government lie about when it came to the COVID pandemic, the virus origins, the vaccines and the lockdowns and masking? In just the past few weeks, several of the key lies pushed on the American people by government force have unraveled completely. It was publicly revealed at last that it had been known all along that the first three people to be infected by the C-19 virus were in fact workers inside the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Here's the New York Times pretending it's still some sort of huge mystery how the pandemic started in this disinformation piece published two days ago. Link in the article, headline, The Ongoing Mystery of COVID's Origin by David Quammen. Where did it come from? More than three years into the pandemic and untold millions of people dead, that question about the COVID-19 coronavirus remains controversial and fraught, with facts sparkling amid a tangle of analyses and hypotheticals like Christmas lights strung on a dark thorny tree. One school of thought holds that the virus known to science as SARS-CoV-2 spilled into humans from a non-human animal, probably in the Huanan Seafood Wholesale Market, a messy emporium in Wuhan, China, brimming with fish, meats, and wildlife on sale as food. Another school argues that the virus was laboratory engineered to infect humans and caused them harm, a bioweapon, and was possibly devised in a shadow project sponsored by the People's Liberation Army in China. A third school, more moderate than the second, but also implicating laboratory work, suggests that the virus got into its first human victim by way of an accident at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. End quote. Of course, fake news isn't anywhere near admitting yet that U.S. officials were funding secret and possibly illegal gain-of-function research on bat coronaviruses in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But notice something. They are, at last, being forced to entertain the possibility in the face of all the emerging evidence. They're not just dismissing it out of hand as a crank conspiracy theory like they've been doing up until now. The evidence is forcing the fake news into repeated concessions of this nature. Then, right on the heels of the earth-shattering revelation about the first three COVID-19 cases being Wuhan lab personnel came the evidence that the authors of the Proximal Origins paper used to, quote, debunk the lab leak theory back in early 2020 had all secretly acknowledged the designed nature of the virus and were deliberately engaging in scientific malpractice in a cover-up attempt. Crack investigative reporter Hans Mankey covered the explosive revelations about the Proximal Origins hoax from the beginning, first in his column, and then with a follow-up, quote, analysis. I hate when politics is injected into science. Text messages of top scientists shed light on COVID origin response. Messages suggest politicized response to COVID origin concerns in attempt to protect China. Headline, exclusive, hidden messages in GOP report reveal how scientists shaped narrative on COVID-19 origins. 
The main issue is that accidental escape is in fact highly likely. It's not some fringe theory, one prominent scientist said. For three and a half years, it was stridently insisted by government officials that the lab leak origin of the virus was a dumb right-wing conspiracy theory with no evidence to support it, and it was repeatedly claimed that all the real evidence pointed to a natural origin. Dr. Anthony Fauci and many others testified angrily and arrogantly before the U.S. Congress several times, where they quite loudly and explicitly testified under oath that no one in the U.S. government was paying for any so-called gain-of-function research on bat coronaviruses inside the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. We knew all along Fauci was lying about something of great importance. So were all the other scientists who were involved early on in debunking the lab leak origins in favor of a natural origins explanation. It takes an incredible amount of arrogance not only to lie, but to do it with such flair and elan as Fauci does here, angrily pushing back at Senator Rand Paul over even being questioned about the gain-of-function research the U.S. was funding at the Wuhan lab. Featured in the column embedded from YouTube, watch Dr. Fauci and Senator Rand Paul clash during congressional hearing. That first video clip is from two years ago. A year after that, Rand Paul again braced Dr. Fauci with the very same questions and gave him a chance to start telling the truth. Fauci continued to lie. Embedded from C-SPAN from the YouTube channel, complete exchange between Senator Rand Paul and Dr. Anthony Fauci. It's a year on from that last video and tons of evidence has continued to surface showing the American public the brutal truth. Those in positions of government authority that they looked to for protection and true and accurate health and medical science information during a pandemic deliberately and arrogantly lied to them over and over again on just about everything. And these government officials didn't just lie to all of us. They took quite deliberate steps to silence and punish thousands of doctors and medical scientists and journalists all over the world who wouldn't go along with their cover-up agenda of lies. They formed secret coalitions to censor and discredit anyone sharing accurate and true information to make damn sure that much of the American public wouldn't see it. Doctors who tried to fulfill their oaths, had their licenses yanked, were fired from their jobs and slandered in the national media. Meanwhile, those in the medicine and science industries who willingly played along with the ruthless censorship and disinformation being fed to the public were rewarded and praised. The entire spectacle was obscene. And it continues today. This hit piece on Dr. Joseph Mercola appeared in the New York Times in July of 2021, and its repercussions are still being felt. Quote, The most influential spreader of coronavirus in misinformation online, researchers and regulators say Joseph Mercola, an osteopathic physician, creates and profits from misleading claims about COVID-19 vaccines. Because, just two days ago, Dr. Mercola reported that Chase Bank had suddenly shut down all his company's and his family's personal bank accounts without any warning or reason given. 
Dr. Joseph Mercola on Twitter, Chase Bank has shut down our business bank accounts along with the accounts of my CEO and CFO as well as their family members, including spouse and child. They refuse to provide any reason for doing so. The oldest account has been active for 18 years. July 25th, 2023. Just last night, Dr. Mercola was pleading for at least one account of his key employees to be unfrozen by Chase Bank. Dr. Joseph Mercola on Twitter. Hello, Chase support. Chase, A.G. Ashley Moody, Governor Ron DeSantis, Robert Kennedy Jr., please reinstate the account of my CFO whose husband has advanced dementia and multiple health issues requiring 24-7 care in the Philippines. Her husband's pension and medical expenses rely on this account, and it will be exceedingly challenging for her to correct this matter under the current circumstances. I realize my op opinions regarding COVID differ significantly from your CEO, Jamie Demon, but there is no reason to punish my employees and their families." End quote. I found this infuriating and took to Twitter myself to make an appeal. Brian Cates on Twitter, if you still bank at Chase, go in the mirror and ask yourself why. Who the hell does Jamie Demon think he is? So, on top of having their licenses suspended, being fired from their jobs, and slandered in the national fake news media, medical practitioners who do not go along with the state's currently approved narrative in this 1984 dystopia we are now living in can also suddenly have their bank cut them off from their own money. If I had told you just five years ago this kind of thing would be happening to people right out in the opening who were telling the truth about subjects of life-saving importance, would you have believed me? And be assured of this, hundreds of thousands of your fellow American citizens died because starting in early 2020, the state's official approved narrative was that there were no early treatments for COVID-19 virus infection. None. Nada. Zilch. Bubkis. And any conscientious medical doctor or scientist who publicly disagreed or challenged the only state-approved narrative got stepped on. Hard. There couldn't be any real, effective, early treatments for COVID virus infection because that would have derailed their precious C-19 vaccine agenda and heavens no, that could not be allowed to happen. And so these government gangsters leaped to lie about and demonize hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and other early treatment options and they viciously went after any doctor or public figure who challenged them on their lies. Here's Democratic presidential candidate RFK Jr. blowing Megyn Kelly's mind with a concise explanation of why Fauci and his vile crew needed to discredit and destroy HCQ and ivermectin in order for their vaccine agenda to move forward. Link in the article embedded from Rumble. Let the horror of what Fauci and other government medical and health officials did here wash over you. Ask yourself... How many Americans and people around the world did they allow to die because these government goons refused to acknowledge that early effective COVID treatments existed? They stood to make hundreds of billions off of their vaccine plan, and they weren't going to let anything get in the way of enacting that plan. 
It would take a very special kind of arrogance to do that sort of thing, wouldn't it? To consign literally hundreds of thousands of Americans to death that could have been saved. But if you save them by admitting the early treatments exist, you don't get the precious emergency use authorization for your experimental mRNA gene therapy injections disguised as vaccines? Well, don't worry. Arrogance is something Dr. Fauci definitely does not have a short supply of. How arrogant is Dr. Fauci? When he was deposed for the ongoing Missouri versus Biden lawsuit a few months back, it took the plaintiff's attorneys directly asking Fauci three times about his daughter working at Twitter before he would finally reluctantly cough up with very poor grace the acknowledgement that she had indeed worked at that social media platform. COVID-19 was not Fauci's first rodeo in leading a medical health agenda that deliberately injured or killed hundreds of thousands of people. He's been at this sort of thing for a very long time, beginning with the AIDS crisis in the mid-1980s. Besides inventing the AIDS crisis and sacrificing hundreds of thousands of gay men to toxic drugs like AZT, Fauci has another big crime on his record the childhood vaccine schedule cover-up. Two, the childhood vaccine schedule cover-up. One of the positive results of the C-19 pandemic was that being lied to and abused on such an extensive level by the government medical and health agencies has caused the parents of this country to go back and examine what else they've been told in recent years by these same lying pricks. And one of the very first things that parents began looking at was the long-denied claim that the vastly accelerated childhood vaccine schedule, which has exploded from around seven shots in 1970 to over 70 shots currently, has contributed to a parallel explosion in levels of autism and other neurological childhood diseases and disorders. I covered this issue last year when RFK Jr. was slandered by CNN's fake newsman Jake Tapper over his opposition to all the COVID lies we just discussed. In response to Tapper's attacking him, RFK Jr. revealed how he knows the exact date that Tapper sold his soul to Big Pharma. From a previous column, of Brian Cates, quote, Jenny McCarthy was always right. Big government and big pharma have known about the link between catastrophic mercury and aluminum levels in child vaccines and autism since 2005, and they covered it up. I'm not going to rehash that entire column here. I'd encourage you to click over and read it all and then come back, but here's the Cliff's Notes. Big government and big pharma conspired together since 2005 to cover up and hide the link between the increasingly elevated levels of mercury and aluminum in the newly expanded childhood vaccine schedule and the explosion of childhood autism and neurological disorders. You think these same people hesitated when it came to misrepresenting and lying about the COVID vaccines? then you haven't studied their history. They knowingly kept injecting generations of American kids with what they knew were toxic shots. And if anybody tried to expose what they were doing to the kids, they sicked the fake news and their propaganda outlets on them. Quote, 
Jenny McCarthy still thinks vaccines cause autism. The web is abuzz about an interview anti-vax activist and public health threat. Jenny McCarthy did with Time magazine. A lot of folks seem to think that McCarthy is backtracking on her claims that vaccines cause autism. Let me be very clear that simply isn't true. McCarthy is still making the same debunked, discredited, and dangerous claims. End quote. February 27th, 2010. Phil Plate. Look at what they did to Jenny McCarthy just for asking the right questions about the vaccines and her son's autism. She was repeatedly vilified and attacked as an evil, rotten, terrible conspiracy theorists trying to keep kids sick by questioning whether they really needed 70-plus vaccinations by the time they were 23 months old. Three. They knew due to scientific animal studies back in 1912, what swapping animal lard and butter for seed oils would do to humans, and they made the switch anyway. In the early 1900s, scientists were already doing animal studies on how various dietary changes affected cows, rats, and birds. They learned a lot from those animal studies, and then, for some strange reason, what they learned seems to have been lost in the mists of time. Dr. Joseph Mercola wrote an article for RFK Jr.'s website, Children's Health Defense, on how the food industry swapping animal fats for seed oils in cooking and processing food had disastrous health consequences. My reading that very informative article started me off on my own research project, which lasted several weeks. You can read some threads I wrote about this issue on Truth Social. These links are here. Quote, Doctors knew from animal studies in 1918 that butterfat versus cottonseed oil was no contest. Figure 6. From weaning time, the rations of these two rats were identical except in the character of the fats which they contained. The rat on the right was given 1.5% of butter fat in its diet, while the one on the left received 5% of bleached cottonseed oil. The former grew at the normal rate while the latter remained stunted and suffered loss of hair and emaciation. The small rats in figures 5 and 6 had not yet developed xerophthalmia when photographed, live twice as long, and are infinitely more healthy. Why? Ophthalmologist Dr. Chris Knob says most chronic diseases such as heart disease, cancer, high blood pressure, stroke, diabetes, obesity, metabolic syndrome, Alzheimer's disease, macular degeneration are linked to the consumption of processed seed oils. Knob says the large consumption of omega-6 seed oil in everyday Western diets is so dangerous it is a, quote, global human experiment without informed consent. Polyunsaturated fatty acids, also called PUFAs, found in vegetable oils, edible oils, seed oils, trans fat, and plant oils, owe their existence to roller mill technology, which replaced stone mill technology and removed their nutrients. Many people now consume 80 grams of PUFAs a day, which amounts to 720 calories and one-third of their caloric intake. Results from studies of tribal peoples and animals have demonstrated the deleterious effects of PUFAs in the diet. You can't tell me. With all the billions of dollars invested in medical science research, Fauci has been handing out about $30 billion a year from the NIAID that the government medical agencies are completely blind to this trend and what's causing it. It's 
obvious. The dramatic changes over the last 140 years in the skyrocketing rise of chronic diseases is diet-related, and yet no real alarm is raised by those who supposedly are looking out for the health and well-being of American citizens. Quote, Chronic diseases rose with PUFAs. Many people are aware that diabetes, obesity, cancer, heart disease, metabolic syndrome, and other conditions were less common in the first part of the 20th century than they are today. But the rise in the incidence of these conditions is more dramatic than many realize. According to Knob, in 1900, 12.5% of the U.S. population died of heart-related disease. In 2010, that figure was 32%. In 1811, one person in 118 died of cancer. In 2010, one in three died of cancer. In 80 years, the incidence of type 2 diabetes has increased 25-fold. In the 19th century, 1.2% of Americans were obese. In 2015, 39.8% were obese. In 1930, there were no more than 50 cases of macular degeneration in 2020. There are 196 million cases. They already knew. Back in 1918, that seed oils were not only nutritionally deficient, but also toxic. And yet... The government, medical, and health agencies deliberately went on to try to convince as many Americans as possible that they needed to stop eating red meat and all that butter and egg yolks and replace them with healthy whole grains and make sure they ate enough healthy omega-6 fats every day. From E.V. McCollum, 1918, the diet must contain, in addition to the long-recognized dietary factors, protein, a source of energy in the form of proteins, carbohydrates, and fats, a suitable supply of certain inorganic salts, two as-yet-unidentified substances or groups of substances. One of these is associated with certain fats and is especially abundant in butter fat, egg yolk fats, and the fats of the glandular organs, such as the liver and kidney, but is not found in any fats or oils of vegetable origin. The only problem with that helpful advice from the official government health agencies is that omega-6 linoleic acid is literal toxic poison. And most vegetable oils contain a big heaping amount of omega-6 linoleic acid, which grows in toxicity when the oil is heated during cooking. The best oils for cooking are coconut, butterfat, beef lard, and olive and palm oil. The absolute worst to cook with are sunflower coin, soybean, and cottonseed oil. Sunflower oil is the absolute worst, worst at an astounding 71% omega-6 linoleic acid level. If these official government agencies really did care about you and your family's health, they'd have sounded the alarm on seed oils long ago and advised Americans to switch back to animal fats for cooking and food processing. Why haven't they done it? Because, just as big government is in bed with big pharma, they are also in bed with big food, which likes the way it's been doing business and lobbies the government to let things be, leave them alone, let them continue reaping massive profits while they are literally poisoning the people who ingest their products. 
That's the third specific instance of government, quote, health agencies either not doing their job or deliberately aiding and abetting very profitable industries that are pushing harmful and toxic products on the public. On to our fourth and final example of how these government health agencies don't really care about your health, the hormonal threat in most of the bottled water Americans are drinking. Four, many plastic bottled drink brands are poisoning your hormone system. This scientific study, link in the article, about how endocrine-disrupting chemicals, EDCs, were directly interfering with the human body's ability to absorb hormones, was published in August of 2013, almost a decade ago. Had you ever heard about it? Quote, Identification of putative steroid receptor antagonists in bottled water, combining bioassays and high-resolution mass spectrometry. Martin Wagner, Michael P. Schlusener, Thomas A. Ternes, Jörg Ullmann. Abstract. Endocrine-disrupting chemicals are man-made compounds interfering with hormone signaling and thereby, thereby adversely affecting human health. Recent reports provide evidence for the presence of EDCs in commercially available bottled water, including steroid receptor agonists and antagonists. However, since these findings are based on biological data, the causative chemicals remain unidentified and therefore inaccessible for toxicological evaluation. Thus, the aim of this study is to assess the anti-estrogenic and anti-androgenic activity of bottled water and to identify the causative steroid receptor antagonists. We evaluated the anti-estrogenic and anti-androgenic activity of 18 bottled water products in reporter gene assays for human estrogen receptor alpha and androgen receptor using non-target high-resolution mass spectrometry, LTQ slash Orbitrap VLOS. We acquired corresponding analytical data. We combined the biological and chemical information to determine the exact mass of the tentative steroid receptor antagonist. Further, MSN experiments elucidated the molecule's structure and enabled its identification. We detected significant anti-estrogenicity in 13 of 18 products. 16 samples were anti-androgenic, inhibiting the androgen receptor by up to 90%. Non-target chemical analysis revealed that out of 24,520 candidates present in bottled water, one was consistently correlated with the antagonistic activity. By combining experimental and in silico, M in silico MSN data, we identified the compound as di-2-ethylhexylfumarate, DEHF. We confirmed the identity and biological activity of DEHF and additional isomers of dioctylfumarate and maleate using authentic standards. Since DEHF is anti-estrogenic but not anti-androgenic, we conclude that additional yet unidentified EDCs must contribute to the antagonistic effect of bottled water. Applying a novel approach to combine biological and chemical analysis, this is the first study to identify so far unknown EDCs in bottled water. Notably, dioctyl fumarates and maleates have been overlooked by science and regulation to date. This illustrates the need to identify novel toxicologically relevant compounds to establish a more holistic picture of the human exposome. End quote. Quote, conclusion. We have shown that anti-estrogens and anti-androgens are present in the majority of bottled water products. This illustrates that in spite of the potentially relevant exposure and obvious resemblance to other EDCs, such chemicals have been so far disregarded by the scientific and regulatory community." End quote. 
Men's thyroid gland generates androgenic hormones to regulate the body's systems. Women's thyroid gland generates estrogenic hormones for the same purpose. Men need a host of androgenic hormones to remain healthy, not the least of which is the well-known testosterone. Women need the estrogenic hormones, of which estrogen is the chief one. Being deficient in any of these hormones adversely affects the body and leads to chronic illnesses and diseases. And this study, link in the article, found direct evidence that EDCs in many bottled water brands were literally messing with people's abilities to absorb the estrogenic androgenic hormones their bodies need to function in a healthy fashion. The results of this study should have set off shockwaves through the medical scientific community. A group of science researchers in a carefully controlled study proved that an astounding 16 of the 18 bottled water products they tested had EDC activity ranging up to 60% estrogenic inhibition and 90% androgenic inhibition. And note, the small level of bottled water that was tested to achieve the anti-hormonal effects it's just 3.75 milliliters. That's like one big sip. If one big sip of some of these bottled waters will cause 60 to 90% hormonal blockage, imagine what chugging a 12-ounce bottle of that brand daily would do to a person's endocrine system. Let me point out that your endocrine system is one of the most important health systems in your body. It regulates your body's production and use of hormones for sex reproduction, digestion, circulation, respiration, etc. Anything that you ingest goes straight into your endocrine system and inhibits or blocks your body's ability to absorb these hormones. That's a very bad thing. And that's exactly what these EDCs do. This has been scientifically verified for over a decade now. But did you see any national warnings or focus in the national news about what EDCs in bottled drinking water are doing to people's ability to assimilate estrogenic or androgenic hormones? Or was this information kept on the down low while the explosion of the bottled water industry continued apace? Have you noticed how it's supposed to be some huge mystery why the average American man's testosterone levels have been dropping for over the past couple decades? Could it be many men have been preventing their androgenic hormones from being absorbed by their cells because they've been chugging down bottled water and other plastic stored drinks containing EDC, not to mention the 80 grams of PUFAs from seed oils they regularly ingest every day that we just discovered above? What does eating 80 grams of literal toxic shit that gets stored in your body as fat, coupled with ingesting a shit ton of EDCs from plastic stored water and liquids due to a man or woman's ability to absorb the much-needed hormones their thyroid is producing, assuming their thyroid is healthy after years of this abuse and not damaged. One thing you can do is check to make sure any bottled water brand you are planning to buy has this BPA-free note on the label. Many types of bottled water and drinks I've looked do not have this. So far, I've only found two that have a BPA-free label, Hint and Eternal Water. Also, I'd advise everyone to stop drinking a lot of bottled water and switch to filtered or distilled water. I, myself, having drunk probably well over 800 bottles worth of bottled water over the last year, two to three a day, have invested in a zerowater.com, 32-cup, five-stage filtered dispenser, and a faucet-mounted filter. I'm going to be double filtering my water from now on. I'm also drinking my fluids only from glass or copper containers. 
no plastics. Summary. The U.S. government, health, and medical establishment needs to be razed to the ground and rebuilt, and I know just the man for the job. One of the most positive results of Robert Kennedy Jr. running for president is, is that he's been a longtime advocate for actually educating the American public about how the federal medical and health agencies have been taken over and subsumed by Big Pharma to the point they not only don't sound the alarm for real and valid health threats facing the American public, they will actually lock arms with Big Pharma to cover them up and lie to the public about very real and vital health issues. Beyond starting up Children's Health Defense Network, another great thing RFK Jr. did to sound the alarm about how federal agencies that were created to protect and defend health and medical science on behalf of U.S. citizens had been taken over and completely perverted by Big Pharma was to write a groundbreaking book to expose the one person who has spent almost 50 years making himself the perfect frontman for unholy alliance between Big Pharma and the NIH, NIAID, and CDC. Dr. Anthony Fauci, I am the science. The silver lining of the awful COVID pandemic is that it has utterly stripped away the veneer of respectability and benign intentions that the U.S. federal government health and medical agencies used to have. The pandemic ended up completely exposing these agencies for what they really are. The time is now ripe for real reform of the U.S. government. Whoever it is who wins the 2024 presidential election, I would hope they would seriously consider making RFK Jr. the Health and Human Services Secretary. That is a job currently held by the execrable Xavier Becerra Jr. Putting RFK Jr. in his place would be a significant upgrade. Kennedy Jr. is rare and detailed insight into just how corrupt and harmful these federal agencies have become, and he would be one of the best people to engineer a complete restructuring of the NIH, NIAID, CDC, FDA, etc. As the Great Awakening continues to pick up speed and gain momentum, it is becoming increasingly clear that there shall be no return to the old ways. People are not just going to roll over and go back to sleep. They are seeing very real and serious need for change at the highest levels of their government, especially when it comes to the agencies charged with overseeing the nation's health. To me, it's only a question of when the reform begins and who is going to be implementing it. <laughs>